welcome to the Weekly Wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. Hello, I'm Rhiannon, the Digital Coordinator here at the NFF. This week, a panel of industry and government experts spoke at a live webinar to consider the trade impacts of a potential foot and mouth disease or lumpy skin disease outbreak in Australia. Before we hear a segment from that event, here are the agricultural headlines from the week. The NFF has urged the government to continue consultation with industry as it considers signing the Global Methane Pledge. The NFF has reaffirmed its stance that Australia's actions must not undermine food and fibre production, a stance the government says it supports. On Tuesday the 4th of October, the Cattle Council of Australia held a special general meeting where an overwhelming majority supported the transition to Cattle Australia. 91.75% of individual producers and 75% of state farming organisations voted to establish Cattle Australia. The proposed constitution will take effect on the 4th of November when board elections will get underway. Farmers are bracing for more flooding as the Bureau of Meteorology warns a cold trough over the weekend will bring more rain to inland parts of New South Wales. Emergency services are reminding people in flood zones to avoid driving through flood water and to monitor official websites for flood alert information. A group of Australian and Chinese university students have this week hit the road to experience regional Australia and the agricultural supply chain. 19 students from universities across Australia joined the program to gain first-hand insight into what they're learning in their agriculture-related studies. The next tour will run between the 17th and 21st of April 2023. Ag Career Start applications for 2023 close on the 18th of October. The Agricultural Gap Year program will be holding a final steps webinar on the 12th of October at 7.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time to answer your questions about the program or application process. And although an outbreak of foot and mouth disease or lumpy skin disease in Australia remains a low likelihood, work is underway to understand and mitigate trade impacts should the worst happen. Industry and government experts fielded questions on a live webinar this week. Let's take a look at what they had to say. Thanks everyone. Thanks for those uh, for everyone joining and for all the uh, uh, participants coming in. We're all aware of the possible implications of foot and mouth disease from on farm point of view. Probably the lesser known is what are the implications on the trade markets um, if we happen to get lumpy skin disease or foot and or foot and mouth disease in Australia. Um, and obviously this uh, in the first instance affects the exporters, but with a country that exports 60 to 70% of its product, um, that amount of product coming back on the domestic market will have huge implications on the on the uh, the price uh, that people will receive back on the farm. So we felt it was uh, one of those things that we don't want people to panic, but we want them to be aware of the possible implications um, should this happen going forward. So I'm going to um, First, in the first instance, hand over to Tony Ma. Tony's the, as you'd all be aware, is the CEO of the National Farmers Federation. Oh, thanks, John. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes and then hand over to Charlie McLone, who's just going to take us through a little bit of the detail. But as John alluded to, we're here tonight, of course, talking about the potential trade impacts from 
an emergency animal disease outbreak. The focus has uh, perhaps rightly been on foot and mouth disease. We currently, of course, do not have foot and mouth disease and we'd like to keep it that way. Likewise, we do not have lumpy skin disease and we'd also like to keep it that way. So um, worth reiterating those two facts. We should also recall that recent government task force examined Australia's preparedness in the event of an outbreak of exotic animal disease and found that it was sound and strong. Uh, expert judgment has assessed the risk of an FMD incursion in the next five years at 11% and 28% for lumpy skin disease. So while we're tend to focus on foot and mouth disease worth recommending or reiterating that lumpy skin disease is three times uh, the risk incursion given its ability to be carried by weather events such as storms and cyclones. So with that, let's look at what we're dealing with here. And as John said, I'll try and set the agenda a little bit in terms of the trade implications and Charlie and Tim and Tom are going to go through a little bit of a detail. Starting at the top, Australia's uh, total value of agricultural production is agreed to be about $86 billion. And the value of exports for this year is expected to be a record $70 billion. So in anyone's language, what is at stake here is a large proportion of the GDP from agriculture. And I'll come back to the numbers in just a moment. But again, in terms of setting the scene, it's worth reiterating that Australia has been, is and always will be export dominated. This trade related agenda and reality has been hard fought in what is an incredibly competitive global market. Australian farmers and the supply chain that works with them have largely been the envy of the world, not only for the quality and safety, but increasingly the way that products are produced. So reputation, recognition, perception in the marketplace is important and incredibly valuable. Australia is officially recognised by the World Organisation for Animal Health as being free from foot and mouth disease without vaccination. And of course, recent outbreaks in FMD in Indonesia has increased awareness about um, any outbreaks should they be uh, found to be in Australian products or in exports. Uh, Australia's export certification is largely aligned with uh, the World Health Organization um, Terrestrial Animal Health Code, which recommends that importing countries have controls in place to prevent movement of potentially infected animals. This means effectively that an FMD outbreak in Australia would have a significant impact on our ability to export animal and animal products. Uh, to meet legislative and international obligations in the event of an FMD outray, um, outbreak and to avoid reputational risk, the Department of Agriculture will immediately suspend the majority of animal and animal products and engage um, comprehensively with trading partners to assess um, what markets and what priorities. And Charlie's going to take us through a little bit of that. The department would then focus on efforts to restore uh, trade with those markets. So what have we been doing? The Trade and um, Protocols Working Group that John alluded to before, comprised of industry and government, has been working through a range of processes. And Charlie, you might like to take us through now um, just a couple of those aspects that the, the protocols and um, trade group have been working on. So I'll hand over to you. Thanks very much, Tony, um, and uh, good evening, everyone. Um, so Charlie McLone, General Manager of Trade and Industry Strategy at Dairy Australia, and I've been co-chairing this Industry Trade and Protocols Working Group with Tony. Um, which is a subcommittee of the cross industry task force that uh, that that John McKillop is is uh, is chairing. 
Um, so you can see there in terms of the, the group which was established back when originally there was very much an LSD focus back in May 20, uh, May this year. Um, and since, since it's taken on more of an FMD focus as well, um, we've taken on Australian Wool Innovation and APL have joined, joined the group. I think a key part of, of what we um, in this Trade and Protocols Working Group have been looking to do is how can industry play a constructive role in helping to secure our international markets, bearing in mind that we recognise that ultimately the government, there is, it is a government to government engagement when it comes to uh, trade protocols, market access conditions, at a government-to-government -government level, but there is an important role that industry can and does play in this regard. Um, we're also very keen, you know, doing some work in this area of science around the biosecurity risks. From a Dairy Australia perspective, we are about to embark on a study working with the government, looking at the uh, the issue of pasteurisation on lumpy skin disease virus and its effectiveness as a kill as a kill point of that disease which has broader implications about how we uh, we can then engage with the international community about the risks of uh, of uh, LSD uh, transmission through lump of, of you know through uh, products where we're cut with countries from countries who have uh, lumpy skin disease and that's going to be an important piece of work that industry is working with government to deliver that will also play an important role in feeding into that market access um, process. And one of the key elements here is making sure that if we do have an incursion, firstly, making sure we, we try to avoid at all costs getting an incursion, but if we do, to make sure that we have our OSVET plans, our FMD and LSD manuals up to date, we've got training and education of the people around, uh, around those manuals. We have through chain biosecurity plans and we have effective communications networks and response mechanisms in place so we can get on top of any incursion early and reduce the time that we can get back into the market. So that's really important role that industry is playing, working with government to feed into this market access debate. So with that, I might hand back to you, John, um, for, the, for the next speaker. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Tony. Okay, so I'm gonna hand over, first of all, to Dr. Chris Parker, First Assistant Secretary and National Animal Disease Preparedness Coordinator. Thanks, John. Um, I thought just worth reflecting on a couple of things and then I'll pass over to Tom, who uh, probably is, uh, has far more interesting information than uh, some of the stuff I'll give out. The, the task force focused in particular on how the biosecurity and the emergency management systems work uh, together and how they interact. And I think that's really important. We're quite, um, I, I suppose it's, it's quite an advantage having a minister at the moment who happens to be the agriculture minister and the emergency management minister. And I think he was very keen that uh, those two parts of uh, his portfolio responsibilities linked up in this emergency animal disease space. Um, as Tony mentioned, um, it, the task force found that uh, overall the system really is quite well prepared and robust. Um, but there are some improvements that can be made and it made 14 recommendations and I suppose the key ones are really about updating coordination arrangements between biosecurity and also the emergency management. And I think also looking at uh, some of the accelerated work around communications would be particularly important in a stock standstill if we were to have, you know, FMD or LSD come into the country. Um, I think probably the developing the capacity and the plan around what a workforce might look for, look like and what workforce requirements might be there. And I'm talking about vets and epidemiologists and animal handlers and people to vaccinate, all those sorts of things. 
um, and then also building on our national data capability. All of those are, uh, are vital components also of this trade discussion about being able to identify uh, areas of freedom very quickly, being able to identify those sorts of areas. So when we have discussions with trading partners, we're able to uh, we're able to look at how and what the requirements they have for us to be able to get back into markets is. Thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, just quickly introduce Tom. Uh, first time on the webinars. Tom's the um, Acting First Assistant Secretary, Exports and Veterinary Services Division. So uh, looking forward to hearing what Tom's got to say with all that experience. Thank you, Chair, and good evening, everyone. Uh, as outlined by the previous speakers, and as you're all very aware, the threat of foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease um, is very real for Australia at the moment. Um, it's it's something spread to some of our closest neighbours. It's a credit to our, as, as Chris mentioned, it's a credit to our excellent biosecurity uh, system that we remain free of FMD and LSD, and long may that remain that way. Uh, and it's important that we that we continue to, to be there. Um, however, just because we've kept the diseases out and let's let's hope that we continue to do so, it doesn't mean that we should not prepare for the worst. And so we've been getting into that and looking uh, looking into, into what an incursion might mean particularly uh, in the export space. So a key component of, uh, of our thinking has been assessing the expected impact to our exports. Um, to do this, the department's reviewed the export requirements relating to LSD and FMD. From this, we were able to get an idea of what trade would be impacted, and by that, I mean effectively immediately suspended in the event of an outbreak. Uh, a change to Australia's health status for FMD or LSD would have major impacts on our agriculture sector. So if there was an incursion of either LSD or FMD, um, we understand that trading, trading partners might react differently to what we anticipate and or place unexpected bans on other exports as well. So we're, we're, we, we think we've got a pretty good handle on it, but we just don't know how trading pa partners may react for, for some, of the, some of the commodities that may be a bit of left, a bit, bit of left field. It is estimated that an incursion of the disease would have an impact of approximately 7.39 billion annually. And you can see the breakdown of the impacted commodities on the image to the left. With a broad understanding of the impact of an LSD impact on, on 19 July this year, the department held an industry consultation workshop to align our thinking on trade preparedness for LSD as part of the development of the National Action Plan for LSD. While LSD is a disease of cattle and buffalo, and when compared with FMD, the total impact on exports is less. The department has already started working with our trading partners to minimise the trade impacts. For FMD, though, the department is fo focusing our efforts on preparatory activities to streamline our response to help regain trade as quickly as possible once an outbreak is under control. Um, we think it's much more important that we're prepared in the case of FMD uh, and much harder to be able to negotiate now with trading partners um, around FMD. The key message that I wanted to leave everyone tonight is that um, the impacts for LSD and FMD are really large, but the department is really working hard with industry to minimise and mitigate trade impacts in the event of an outbreak. I've got one more speaker, um, Tim Ryan from Meat and Livestock Australia. He's the manager of the Global Trade Development. Uh, thanks, John. Given MLA covers red meat, I've just got a chart here looking at uh, the cattle, sheep and goat industries. And the main point here is to note that uh, red meat is heavily export reliant, uh, as Tony mentioned, 
Um, similarly, many other of Australia's agricultural sectors are equally export reliant as well. Um, so while exports are great because they add a lot of value for the sector, it does create um, a fairly significant impact when that export um, channel is, is disrupted uh, in some way. So really critical for Australia is maintaining our disease-free status and accessing those premium markets as such. There is a fair bit of product coming out of South America, either under a zoning arrangement or a vaccination uh, status. So while that can take place, a lot of those South American exporters don't have uh, access to the premium markets that the, that the likes of Australia would. So while trade can occur, um, it is quite limited and that's on the back of fairly significant uh, negotiation. The other implication of a change in Australia's disease-free status could be the potential premiums that we earn uh, in export markets. The average Australian export price was $9 a kilo uh, last year. If you compare that to some of the South Americans, such as Argentina and Uruguay, which still produce a reasonable quality product, um, there was about a $2 or 20 to 25% uh, price difference um, between them and Australia. So. Um, there could be short and long-term implications uh, for Australian exporters if we'd lost that uh, status and consumers um, weren't as willing to pay uh, such a high premium uh, for our product um, in export markets. So I suppose bringing some of this, uh, these factors together, um, probably one of the most comprehensive bits of analysis was done by ABERS uh, in 2013 and updated fairly recently. Um, and they quantified the overall uh, economic impact of an FMD outbreak uh, in Australia if it ever was to occur. Um, so they put the figure at about $80 billion, uh, as I think Tony mentioned earlier. The first thing I always want to flag is the actual control costs of addressing the disease uh, dwarfed um, by the impact on export revenue across Australia's uh, various uh, agri exports, um, particularly noting that. Beef and sheep meat would be the most affected given their size and export exposure, but uh, dairy, wool, pork, and a range of other commodities would also uh, be affected by an FMD outbreak. So another key driver of that overall impact um, is ultimately the time frame that Australia um, could be locked out of export markets for. Some recent modelling um, using the department's ATIS model uh, has done a range of scenarios that looked at potential outbreaks taking anywhere between eight uh, to 195 days, um, but most of those outbreaks were less than 30, so relatively confined um, compared to some outbreaks overseas, but huge uh, variability and, and dependence on the real context of, of an outbreak. The second time frame component to be mindful of is how long it takes to regain our animal disease freedom recognition by the World Organization for Animal Health, or previously the OAE. Um, and this process would at least take 90 days um, and looking at other developed country outbreaks um, often takes less than 200 but could take um, considerably more again. So a bit of an unknown but at least 90 days until that process could uh, proceed. Um, and then beyond uh, WOHA recognition, it's really the requirement of some or many of our exporting um, markets or, or, or importing markets to recognise our disease-free status beyond WOHA. Um, so looking at, for instance, the United States and how they've treated um, FMD outbreaks in, in, in exporting countries around the world, um, they've taken anywhere between 47 and 560 days uh, past WOHA uh, recognition um, to 
recognise the freedom status of that country. So that, that wraps up my presentation. So I suppose concluding um, our disease free status underpins market access um, and, and on loss of that status, um, it would have very significant impacts uh, for trade. Um, and another key determinant of that impact would be how long we would be locked out of export markets for. Um, but for that, um, there's a lot of variability and a lot of it depends on, on the context of an outbreak. Um, but for now, I suppose we can um, be grateful that we are FMD free, we are LSD free, and hopefully we can continue to be that be so. Um, that's all for me, John. Thank you. Great. <clears throat> Thanks, Tim. Okay, so just um, clarify a couple of numbers there. Um, uh, then one number um, from Tom was talking about the annual impact, um, which is where that $14.63 million billion came from. Um, the number of $80 billion is the cumulative uh, net present value of, of 10 years of, um, of locked out of market. So certainly that $80 billion is, is, a, is the real number, um, but the annual impact is, uh, is the one that Tom put, put up there at 14.63. That brings us to the end of it. Um, thanks everyone for your time for coming in. Thanks also for, uh, to those presenters for speaking and putting together. It's a lot of work to put these together. Um, and, and again, just uh, I know there's some criticism or has been probably in the past about industry not doing enough. There's a lot of work has been behind the scenes. Uh, this task force has been made up of, as I said, the Department of Agriculture, RMAC and MLA, National Farmers Federation, Dairy Australia, um, Australian Wool Innovation and Australian Pork Limited. Um, it's, a, it's a very good example of cross collaboration in the agricultural sector. Um, it's been working really well. There's a lot of work has been done and um, I certainly appreciate the work that all these those members of those tasks, the task force and the working groups have done. Uh, but also support, appreciate the support of all those in the industry um, who taken time to dial in. Thanks everyone. Thanks for your time and we'll have news about the next one um, in the next few weeks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this weekly wrap-up from the National Farmers Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.